This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. If you are interested in projecting or red pointing when it comes to sport climbing, and you would consider yourself either a beginner or intermediate level in this, then this is the episode for you. I'm going to be breaking down what I consider the top 10 tools and strategies for successful project red pointing success. And I'm going to leave out some of the very high end, really nuanced kind of getting down to the last 1% differences on this episode. This is more like you've just started your first ever red point project or perhaps you've been doing it for a few years and really starting to refine your methods and your ways of doing this now first thing to kind of point out and state at the start really is this is not a safety briefing around sport red pointing or projecting strategies all the safety elements which of which there are many i mean it is sport climbing you're getting on a rope are away from this so don't think this considers all of those um not that they're not important and it's also not a training podcast or episode so i'm not talking about all the training that we're doing leading up to that successful red point um if you're interested in some of the training and preparation we have other episodes on that i look at the ways to break down power endurance some of the major mistakes that a lot of people make um there's two episodes of 10 things that matter more than you think in climbing there's endurance training go and check out those episodes if you want to have more of a training focus when it comes to red pointing and projecting okay let's start with number 1 the first thing that I think you want to make sure is on your list and you understand this when you start your projecting and working on something on a sport route is do not waste any energy. It's like the number one thing almost. All the best projectors and red pointers that I see are really, really good at not wasting energy. And some of the worst ones waste a huge amount of energy and the reason why this is so important is that when you get to the crag and you have your days off and you're on the project your time is so precious you're really talking here about the tip of the iceberg the kind of pinnacle of everything that you've done for the preparation work so this time every minute matters because you may only get five ten sessions maybe in your season on the project and particularly if it's a little bit longer for you to travel to, or you've got a lot of work on, um, or you just don't have that much time. So make it count. And by that, you don't want to waste energy because every minute needs to be really meaningful and purposeful. So don't spend your time doing loads of other routes at the crag away from your project. Don't waste your skin on it. Don't waste your energy on it. Don't end up dogging around on the route, pulling up on the rope, being really efficient, moving between sections just because you can see someone else over there climbing constantly on lead on their really hard project. There's absolutely nothing wrong with top roping um, or having clips clipped above you 
or working a route on second or just hanging around on the bolt and feeling around on moves just aim so hard to not waste any energy i i just can't stress this one enough because you will put all of your time into actually getting up that project and having the process of working it um as efficient as possible so second one and this one's very tied into that is get yourself a clip stick i know that some areas and some people aren't totally psyched about clip sticks but i think they're brilliant and i've seen lots of climbers save so much energy and make their lives much much easier and more stress-free by having a clip stick so it's not often always just about clipping the first one two three bolts in the route and giving yourself an easy time on that if you've got some of these really small clip sticks you can actually take them up on the route as well which means that you don't have these multiple goes of trying to get between the quick draws because the climbing's really hard and at your limit and falling off and kind of wasting energy or skin it's just a very very efficient way to work on the projects and get into each section and start to learn the moves. So clip sticks, brilliant. There's all sorts of different ones out there on the market. Um, in the UK, we have uh, the beta clip sticks. We have the Pongoose one, I think it's called. And then there's one other one that's pretty good. Um, so have a, have a shop around for those. I think it's a really good part of your kit. Next up is videos and YouTube. YouTube is like this giant library of climbing nowadays and granted some of the quality of the footage isn't always the best but you'll be amazed at how much you can find projects especially when the grade gets a little harder you can find clips of them on the internet to digest and see what people are using in terms of methods tricks strategies tips etc on the routes i use youtube all the time for projecting um it's maybe one of my most useful tools away from the crag and it also further helps with the visualization process um when you're away from the crag but yeah there's so much to learn from youtube and videos of different climbers doing the route and i would say it's worthwhile paying attention a little bit to the style of the climber how tall they are, body type and things like that, just to have an understanding that someone who's a foot taller than you are and is really dynamic may not match up with your sequence if you're shorter and quite a static climber. So do be aware of that. Next is one that I was chatting to someone at the crag the other day about, and actually they didn't do the same thing as me, but it totally paid off for me just two days ago. So I've, I'm projecting a route at the moment, which is really quite hard for me. And what I do is I try, I deliberately set about trying sequences and moves when I'm either really tired at the end of the day or in really quite poor shoes or suboptimal shoes. And it's not because I think that it makes that makes you a better climber or anything like that. It's because it's a really useful tool to sometimes discover even better sequences and nuances of how you use a hold or turn your hips. Because when you, for example, when you talk about being tired, is that when you're tired, no longer will you just blase kind of go, ah, just reach through there or power up there. It'll be fine. What you do is you really analytically go, 
oh man, I'm not feeling it. I'm kind of tired here. I don't know whether I can reach the hold. What's the very, very most efficient way of doing this move? Because I know I can't get it up it the way I did before. And it leads you to be a little bit more curious and inventive and experimental with your climbing movement. And I think this can really pay dividends in terms of your projecting process. Same again for uh, having poor feet is that you will often find the very best footholds on the route because you can't use some of the smaller ones, which on red point, ultimately, you won't be able to use anyway because your feet are tired. So it's something to be aware of and I think is another really nice little strategy to bring to your projecting and red pointing. Number five is I thoroughly recommend brushing holds on the route all over the place. And it's not just because brushing is good etiquette and it improves the quality and the condition of your holds. Yes, it does. But it's because by having a open eyes, curious mindset, just taking in every set section and texture and surface of the rock, you spot things that you didn't spot before. You want to become a master of this piece of rock. So by doing this brushing process, it gets you to slow down and really take time on the route to get to know all of the terrain. Because I think a lot of people, when they first start their projecting process, they just go, ah, well, there's some holds. They're covered in chalk. That's what someone else has done. And they kind of get blinded to a lot of the other rock on the route. And that doesn't necessarily mean that just because there's holds that are chalked up, they're the right ones for you. You might have a different body type or size or your climbing style is different. And that hold just off left, which has got a really small amount of chalk, could be absolutely brilliant for you. Maybe you're really flexible and you can put your heels really high. And there's a little hook that you can kind of rock up onto with your heels. So look around on the rock, brush it up, keep it clean and discover new stuff on your route. Become an expert of your route. Next is an end of day recap. There's a, a term or a phenomenon which is called the Ebbinghaus curve. And this is this is essentially the rate at which we remember or perhaps forget things. And what you'll find is that when you take in a load of stimulus, you have a pretty good memory of that thing um, right there and then the moment. You can recall it straight away. But an hour later, you've lost a few things. You can't quite remember things as clearly. A day later, you've lost a lot more and you've got a lot more. And then a week later, of course, it's a high degree of loss of that memory or that object that was in your brain before. And you can actively reduce this Ebbinghaus curve or this loss of information by doing recaps. You can kind of like break the curve by doing recaps at the end of the day to just go back on the route and refresh in your mind how that sequence worked or the whole route worked or what those moves feel like or how the holds look. Again, I'll do it again when I'm at the end of the day and I finish my red pointing um, and I'm just lying in bed at night and I'm kind of just dozing off. I might have a little refresh back on the route because it's that early part of once you've been on a route is when you're most effective in enabling that short-term memory to go into a longer-term form of memory that you will retain uh, when it comes to the project. And that's exactly what you need to do if you're going to be successful with your projecting. Next up is learn your rests. Now, for anyone who's new to their red pointing process, or um, perhaps even intermediate, this might be a fairly new concept to you. 
you'll just go, well, it's just a rest. I mean, I, f- I found a nice big hold, middle of the route, maybe a bit higher up, and I just shake out on it. Job done. I'll get on with the climbing and I'll go and focus on the bits where I am actually climbing. But it's a real missed opportunity to not spend time in the rests, refining them exactly how you wrap your hand on that hold. Sometimes there's even a jam or something funky that you can do with your heels or toes whilst you're holding onto that hold with your hands. Think about where your hips are in relation to the wall. Rock to the left, rock to the right. Can you twist in? Is there anything unusual that you can do in terms of dropping your hips lower or bringing maybe your hips higher and bringing your chest into the wall? It's really worthwhile getting that resting thing done because ultimately it's a big part of the route. Yes, you may be on it for 20 minutes um, from bottom to top of the route, but there's a good chance that maybe even 10 minutes of that time could actually be in rest positions on the route. So learn them. There is a great deal of efficiency that you can get on them. I've had it multiple times on projects over the years where the difference of how a hold feels on day two or three versus how a hold feels on day seven or eight, and we're talking about rests here, is just night and day. At the start, I feel like it's a mediocre rest. By the end, I feel like it's a full recovery and I can't even understand why I didn't see that initially. So trust me, this is a process and it's something that you can improve on significantly. Number seven or rather number eight, is route maps. Get into the habit of getting in your training diary and your climbing diary and creating yourself a route map. It's like a little topo of your route, but it's in really high detail and get as detailed as possible if you can. So draw out your route all the way from the bottom to top and describe the rests, the size of the hold, the shapes of the holds, annotate it, put extra little notes in there, mark in the bolts, perhaps even think about some of the mental notes you may make to yourself when you're in the route and try and get into either a mantra or a state of mind, which is going to have a chance of improving your success. This is like your recipe for practicing your red point or your project away from the crag. And it will also help you memorize that project. So route maps, topos, brilliant big, big use of time, which I think is very worthwhile. Number nine is if you struggle with your lead head and anyone who's a little bit earlier in their climbing career often can find this as being a little bit of an issue um, and feels like it's a part of your performance, which is a big effect on how likely you are to get to the top of the route, is if this is a bit of a struggle, I would recommend getting on lead on your project relatively early. Don't leave it right until the last minute. And I don't mean that you need to get on lead on the very hardest sequence if you haven't yet got it dialed or you don't feel comfortable with that. But you definitely can get on sections of the route where it's maybe easier and do spend time on lead on those parts of the route. So let's say, for example, we've got a project which has got a really hard section at 50 to 60 feet and then another one at 110 to 120 feet you could very easily climb on lead up to that hard project crux section on lead then clip stick above you work on that section and then 
do that in that manner and then get back on lead on the section above and get terrain or time covered in that lead manner just to reduce that anxiety and become more accustomed to being in that zone on lead. I think it's really worthwhile use of your time and a good strategy. Likewise, for the last one is that aspect of choking and struggling with that last bit of the route. I know this is really common for a lot of people. They get to nine tenths of the way through the route and they're looking at the chains and they suddenly their heart rate goes up and you're thinking, oh, I'm there, I'm there. But what if, what if? And you just end up fluffing it and you can't quite get to the top. And a way to get around this or at least improve your chances of being successful is to try top down links. And what I mean by that is if you're trying a project and let's say it's 100 foot high and this is your bolted sport project, you can break your section into five 20 foot sections. So these are kind of links or boulder problems that you'll do all the way up your project. It's really quite worthwhile and something that a lot of beginner and intermediate climbers don't always do of working the links in reverse order. So successfully climb from 80 foot to 100 foot and top out, clip the chains, get that feeling of clipping, know what it feels like, know what it, the terrain feels like when you're on lead at that section. And then your next link can be climbing from 60 to 100 feet and then from 40 to 100 feet. So you're climbing links on the top sections of the route and getting closer and closer to the ground. And it's really nice because essentially you get very practiced at being both fatigued on the last section of the route and being okay with that and also knowing how your mind and your body function in that last section of the route and completing on it and like many things in life if you spend plenty of time in that zone and you get practice it you become more successful in it and i often see it where climbers will only get on the last section of the route on lead when they're actually going for the big red point and they think they're actually going to successfully achieve it. But by that point, they might have been on the bottom section of the route loads of times. They're really practiced at this. And then they suddenly find themselves struggling with the top bit where mentally it's kind of the hardest and where it hurts the most to fail. Uh, It doesn't hurt to fail when you're just trying the route from midway all the way to the top. It's easy to brush off. It's not a big dent on the ego. Very few people at the crag will probably even notice you because they've seen that you haven't started in the middle of the route, so they're not paying attention. There's all sorts of advantages to have for this. So I would recommend that one. Go away and have a try at it and uh, let me know how you got on with it. So there you go. That is my top 10 projecting strategies for beginner and intermediate red pointers, sport climbers. I hope you found these useful. Let me know if any of them have made a big difference in you. I always like hearing from anyone out there. And of course, at Lattice, this is something that we are very practiced uh, at and specialize in with our own performance coaching, where our coaches will work with you one-to-one and really support you through the process of getting these things dialed and complementing them to the coaching and training that you'll do on a weekly basis so you'll get up your projects and your goals. Check in soon. We will have another episode which is based on projecting strategies for boulderers if you're also into your bouldering and I will breaking those down into another top 10.